Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. We have the pleasure of hearing directly from a healthcare innovator, one of my favorite people, which I know he always blushes a little <laughs> bit, but he has been a frequent guest here. You've seen him and you've heard him before. We both have a different work address these days, but I'm excited to reintroduce to you Rick Abbott and to also introduce you to Erica Murdoch. We have some really hopeful, exciting healthcare news to share with you today. And we hope that it will inspire you to perhaps seek the newness, the creativity, and not doing things the way we've always done them. It's not working. It is not. Rick, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. And as you said, it's interesting to have two different addresses <laughs> now since it the last is. time we spoke. Yes, I'm a I'm a locked in benefits advisor. You are about to announce the start of a company. Ah, that's <laughs> right. And Erica. Welcome. Thank you. You are the chief operations officer of About to Announce <laughs> Company. That's right. So thank you for coming. Rick, one of the things that I have always really appreciated about you is that you have this courageous sort of attitude about talking about topics and issues that are uncomfortable, that a lot of others don't necessarily want to talk about. Um, in the past on the checkup, we have talked about mental health and suicide, addiction, things that are emotionally charged. And again, things that, you know, have stigma attached to it. And yet you have this way of talking about it that leaves us all feeling incredibly hopeful. I think that's one of the things that most of us that are even here in this room that aren't on camera <laughs> would say is very appealing about being in your sphere. That is incredibly kind and you're right, you're gonna make me blush again. <laughs> I'll need one of those mats to mat off my face soon. But um, I think it's unfortunate that circumstances that so many of us face, and we're gonna talk about what we're doing here at our stealth company shortly being one of those, often are just hidden. We feel as though we should be ashamed to talk about the things that each and every one of us face day in and day out. And I appreciate you saying it's courageous, but my hope is someday it won't be. Someday we'll actually be able to say, these are the things I face and my family faces, and I'm just like you, and I have hopes and dreams and I wanna realize them as well. And I appreciate that you give us a forum to talk openly about these things and also our partner on our journey, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. Wow. I'm, I'm excited to be even just in the side wings of the journey. I'm a, I'm a big cheerleader <laughs> and uh, I'm excited for us to be able to talk a little bit about that. So. From the standpoint of, you know, one of the other things that I have always come away with from our conversations knowing is that you approach an issue or, you know, we're going to work on this because it has a human connection, mm -hmm. it is impactful to people, and it creates a legacy. Whether you're doing the legacy building intentionally or not, that is exactly what it does. Can you tell us about this new thing you're building? Early this year, I received a call from a venture capitalist, and it was following a presentation I had given alongside Oliver Wyman and Humana about the future of virtual care. And I initially thought within the context of my role at Primera that this venture capitalist was asking for some direction around where to spend her time. And the question she asked me was, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? 
and again, I took that to mean, okay, what's a company where she, that's early stage where she thinks there might be an opportunity uh, to invest and see them innovate? But I answered it very directly. Uh, I said, right now in this country, there are 34 million people struggling with managing multiple chronic conditions. The clinical term they use is polychronic. Those conditions can be medical or behavioral health related. But what's scary is the projection is by the end of the decade, there will be 83 million of them. So this population is growing. We are getting sicker as a country. But unfortunately, healthcare is broken and cannot serve them well. But there's hope. There are companies now that are starting to realize if you just really focus on this segment of the population and treat them in a loving and empathetic and compassionate way, you can actually improve the experience they have. You can improve the quality of care and the quality of life that they have. And you'll happen to probably save some money from which you could actually build a sustainable business. And there were others doing this in the government space, but if you're an employer or a health plan, there isn't a solution today. So I told her that's what I would do. I'd figure out a way to address the human problem. I'd figure out a way to take my financial value from solving that human problem. And I bet you could have a sustainable business. Uh, it turned out that was the right answer. <laughs> and this venture capitalist responded, uh, that's brilliant, you should do that. I'm a little bit dense and responded within the context of the role I had, which was, it's not on our current strategy, right? part of our current strategy, it's not on our roadmap. I don't even know another company that's doing this yet, um, but maybe reach out down the road if you find somebody. Luckily, she picked up the phone and did an email and she said, uh, hey, Rick, that's not what I asked you. I found somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, I don't know. I have, uh, I have five children. I know what it's like to be a founder. I've worked at a few startups. Um, that would be a sixth, seventh, and eighth child for me. And I don't know if I'm up for that. But she asked me not to respond in the moment. So I called a few people. Erica was one. And said, Erica, I have this idea um, that we can actually take care of people who need it the most and do so in a way where we might be able to build a startup. And Erica was going through a, a career transition at the moment as well. So it wasn't necessarily all that timely. Um, but she was attracted to it. And Erica and I have a very long history. Uh, we've known each other for about 13 years. So this was a logical way for us to start the, start building something different. And luckily she said yes. I did. <laughs> so your startup work together in the past mm -hmm. includes Cast Light. Um, HDMS, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. That's right. Mm -hmm. We've had a long history together. And I remember the first time I met Rick, um, he was introduced to me through a project I was working on. And I was like, oh, Rick Abbott, cool wrote his name down, finally met him in person, and I was like, Rick Abbott? <laughs> <laughs> so we had a whole moment, um, and since ever since then, I knew he was dynamic at the start, and I have loved working with him, and so happy to be on this journey right now. It's been great. Now you're building something new together yeah. from the ground up. We are, it's, um, to sort of finish that story, the, uh, the investor believed so much in what we were doing, um, she gave us a seed of $10 million. Uh, which was twice the size of any seed I had ever seen another digital health company receive. Um, but with that, we thought we needed to bring on a lot of people really quickly who knew the industry. So our chief medical officer was the former CMO for the United States Medicaid program. The head of our commercial team was the head of North America for the reinsurer Swiss Re, and a number of other people um, rapidly onboarded. And I think the reason that everyone was attracted was not that it was a great business idea. Everyone knows someone who would benefit from that. Mm -hmm. um, and I am, as you've said, uh, no, uh, I am no different than anyone else from that perspective. I have multiple family members uh, 
who struggle managing both medical conditions and mental health related conditions. I've talked openly about it in some of our prior discussions. Um, and actually one of them was the inspiration for the company when I was sitting down with our head of technology and he said, well, what are you gonna call this? I told him that I had a specific name in mind that represented someone in my life. And it was a way for me to say, what would I have done differently throughout the duration uh, that we were struggling with that? Where could a doctor have provided help? Where could a nurse have provided help? And that person said, well, what, what's the name? And I said, Lynn. And he said, hmm, how's it spelled? I said, L-Y-N. You know, that's kind of unisex. I said, well, it is, yeah. And it can give an emotion to a digital platform. And I said, stop, stop, stop right there. Uh, I don't know about using a family member as the name of the company, but he convinced me to think about it. And sure enough, that person allowed me to do so. So this is not just something that I think will grow into a great company. Um, this is something that's infinitely personal to me. And I feel the same about everyone else that we're surrounded by. There's generally at least one Lynn in their life that they're thinking about each and every day as we build this company. And we want to honor Lynn today, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, and I've heard you say this before, you know, this, this person is not gonna end up a slide. Correct. You know, they are a real person that has had real challenges and mm -hmm. has worked incredibly hard, sometimes probably not feeling like they're right. succeeding and navigating the complexity of what it's like to be polychronic in America. Absolutely right. Um, and I think that that's a really good question that I think leads into your, your project, your work. What is it like to be polychronic in America, to have multiple conditions, yeah. And not just let's not just focus on the cost either, but also on the thing that there is some there is some judgment around being mm -hmm. a polychronic person in this country. Why didn't you why didn't you make different choices? Right. Why didn't you mm -hmm. live your life a little bit differently? Right. Mm -hmm. What's really difficult is I'll create a profile of just someone. Maybe I have diabetes that's causing some joint degeneration, I'm slightly obese, and all of that causes anxiety and depression for me. That's five separate conditions that you have to try to manage with hopefully a primary care doc, probably two or three specialists, uh, different medications that come from different specialists or behavioral health practitioners, et cetera. Oh, and by the way, I have to work, raise my kids, live a normal life, et cetera. It's infinitely difficult to do. and who are you gonna to turn to? To admit, look, I struggle with all of these things. I need some help. It would be nice if someone took and unburdened me of some of the things that I have to go through. It's an incredibly difficult experience. And you know, another person in my family, not Lynn, but someone else recently told me, um, I carry uh, a notepad that at least has other names of all my prescriptions on it, so that when I sit with another doctor, I can say, here's all the things that I'm on. Just even that is burdensome. And then you take all of that and compound it with the fact uh, food's getting more expensive. Housing, particularly in Seattle, is incredibly expensive. There might be social needs as well. So it is incredibly difficult to do. And most of the solutions that are available today target one of those things. Okay, here's something for diabetes. But they don't target everything and understand you as a person, your personal motivations and the things that are really valuable to you. And that's where we actually started with Lynn, which was if we were to take on the entirety of the care for this particular patient base. How would we do it? How would we do it better? 
And how would we blend what we've learned from the COVID world, from a digital perspective, with the things that were really good pre-COVID from the traditional healthcare system? And that was one of the things that I really liked about bringing Erica on, as she said, she's worked in a blue plan, she's worked with hospitals, she's worked in a virtual care entity like Fizera. So she had experienced all of this as well, and that really made her the logical person to reach out for to lead operations. Okay. So you gotta be able to take that vision and then put some legs on it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. How do the legs look, Erica? Oh, the legs are looking good. Um, we are crawling, I think. Um, we'll be walking by December, which is exciting. A lot of people doing a lot of things and having worked early on with you on just getting the business stood up, um, you know, some of the things my team is, team is taking on, learning how to file taxes, uh, learning how to provide ben benefits to people. It's been a lot of personnel, um, but now we're starting to realize the different aspects of our product and the service we're going to be delivering. And every day, every week is so emotional and exciting because everyone, to Rick's point, brings their own personal win to the company. And that really helps us stay close to our mission and, you know, be really prepared to deliver the product we're going to deliver. In one of the early conversations, Rick, when you were just talking about what stealth looks like, <laughs> your encouragement before you really talked about the model is think about your own Lynn. Mm -hmm. We all have them. So I'm going to ask the listeners, people who are watching this, think of your own Lynn. And Rick, how, how can stealth help? the lens out there that we all have. Yeah. So I guess I can say now that we actually ended up naming the company Lynn Health. Um, we started in April. And essentially what we're seeking to do now is really find a manner in which we can take on again the totality of that patient's need, but do so in a way where we build the entire system around them rather than have them interact with the system as it exists today. So for instance, when we go to an employer or health plan and ask to make ourselves available to their population, someone chooses to enroll in Lynn, they are immediately onboarded, but they are assigned a primary care doc, a behavioral health practitioner, a social worker, a nurse care manager, a dietitian, and a pharmacist who are gonna spend all of their time obsessed with just making that person's life easier, helping them get on the right clinical path and delivering um, that care to them in whatever, a way that's ever convenient. So if you prefer virtual care, we can support that. If you prefer seeing someone in person, we can support that. So we've really built an entire model that's wholly obsessed with just this population and solving all of the healthcare needs they have. The cool thing though, is we started from the position of, we also don't wanna disrupt the way healthcare works today. Are the train tracks perfect? No, but if you can ride them, it makes it a lot easier to support people. So we don't charge an administrative fee to our employers or health plans. We actually just submit claims. We submit claims for the medically necessary services we provide and a participant fee that covers all of the different doctors, nurses, et cetera, that I just spoke about. And the member only interacts with one person and that is a human. We call them a care partner. That care partner is dedicated to anything you need, whether it's managing all of the things that are administrative in healthcare or getting you to the right specialist that we know is high quality. So our goal is to unburden all of the different things that come with being a polychronic patient and do so in a way, again, that leads with love, empathy, and compassion. So I think to your earlier point, we started with how do we make this easier for humans, for people? Okay, and from there, how do we extract our value to build a sustainable business? And I think we've done that. And it's a sustainable business that's focused on outcomes, mm -hmm. but you are incorporating some incredibly human elements into this to recognizing that just technology isn't going to be the end all be all. It's not gonna be the master 
you know, deliverer of, you know, all of the things that ail us because part mm-hmm. of what is needed is this human element. Mm-hmm. So would one of you speak mm-hmm. to those, there were three very specific components that you talked about in mm-hmm. this patient experience. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can take it first and then you can build. So the first thing I would say is we are a clinic. So we deliver care. As I said, we staff and employ primary care docs, behavioral health practitioners, et cetera. So we have the ability to solve for the patient's need in a virtual basis, however we may need to do so. The cool thing about that is at the end of the day, we're operating like another clinic that uh, was built down the road. So there's really only thing the employer has to do is say we're making a choice to steer to a particular clinic that we think manages this patient base better than others. The second piece is data science. So we only work with those, again, that are considered polychronic. So we have a means by which we can isolate them and demonstrate the opportunity to an employer of what we think is available, or excuse me, what is uh, possible from both a savings perspective and a quality perspective. But the other thing we do is we hired a gentleman named Shane Wolverton to come in and actually um, build an analytic infrastructure that allows us to glean the quality of individual physicians across this country, hospital systems across this country, et cetera. So what we can actually do, we have uh, been approved to receive the CMS data set is say, look, we do need you to see a specialist, but we're gonna choose the highest quality, for instance, cardiologist within five miles of you. And how do you know that? Well, we've done all of the rigor in the background to make sure that their mortality rates, complication rates, inpatient quality, patient safety measures are all what we'd expect them. So again, the patient doesn't even have to worry about that. We're just getting them to the right place. And then the third piece is member experience. So we obviously uh, use two-way communications platform uh, to interact with our patients, which we like. It's more like how you interact with your personal friends. Yes, we will have an app. Some people will download it, but I'd rather personally just go back and forth via text, phone, video, or chat And that's what I do with the people I love in my life as well. So we'll be able to support both, but from an experiential perspective, it's an easy way to communicate with us. You are assigned, as you said, a human Mm -hmm. who is dedicated to helping you navigate. And we are available 24 seven, 365, because not everything happens between eight and five. Isn't that the truth? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to that member experience, um, there there are some words that I've heard you both use a lot. Compassion, mm-hmm. love, empathy. Empathy. Mm-hmm. Are those words we hear very often in healthcare? No. When I think about healthcare, that's the opposite of what I think about. I think that's how I help my parents who are polychronic, help them navigate the system. Um, but when they're going through it on their own, it feels cold, it feels disconnected. And so by introducing that human element with love, empathy, and compassion, which is one of our missions. Um, we're able to really deliver something that is going to be meaningful and help people feel better about healthcare because as they go into it, it's something they're going to have for their lives. They're chronic. So we want to make sure that we're able to deliver something that gives them an experience that they deserve um, and helps them navigate and, and really feel good as they go through it. Right. Because one of the other things I have heard frequently said through you know your your work on building this business is that, you, you're understanding you're not going to find a cure. Mm-hmm. This isn't sense. about a cure. It's about healing mm-hmm. and it's about empathy, helping someone navigate something that's so incredibly complicated. Right. Is there is there a more complicated place in the world to be sick than America? No, it's, um, it's very difficult here um, in this country to again, have multiple conditions, manage them successfully, and be able to maintain the totality of the experiences you want in your life. And the reason we chose Healing Lives Together, uh, healing is not just clinical. Yes, we are gonna attempt to, as Erica said, help 
with the chronic conditions you'll likely carry for, if not all, most of your life. But we also want to help you heal from some of the experiences that may have been a product of carrying those things. Um, help you, for instance, make sure you're mobile during the holidays when you finally get to see your family. Uh, make sure that if you had something negative happen to you in your past that you're still working through, that we're helping you get to the place where you do feel healed. Can we cure everything? Absolutely not. But I think healing is a very worthy endeavor and that's why we chose Healing Lives Together as our mission. One of the things I think too is, um, you know, while you were looking down the road and you are looking down the road, I don't know that if we really could have predicted even, you know, 10 months ago, how much complex mental health mm -hmm. claims were going to come into play. And one of the things that we've been talking about within Lockton and our own complex claims team is the sheer number that we have seen since mid of 2020. Mm -hmm. And while all of our numbers aren't really fixed yet and not something that we've necessarily publicized, it falls on the top list of what we look at as expenses but also very short on solutions to mm -hmm. help somebody with complex mental health because right. we're talking about kind of to one of your earlier points not just about someone who's perhaps diabetic and suffering from depression but really severe mental health needs that are usually combined with perhaps addiction or some other mm -hmm. multi-diagnosis. So is there something specifically, you know, with your model and with your providers that you are really thinking about how can we help this subset? Yeah. So we call the entirety of our care team a care circle. And the reason that we actually chose to employ all of them was we felt it was absolutely critical that they all work collaboratively together. So if you think about either an employer experience or someone who's working with a health system right now or a set of health systems on the employer side, yes, you may have a diabetes solution. You may use something like a talk space. You may have other solutions. They are likely not working with one another. They are solving for the one thing they have been deployed for, which is really not focused on the totality of that patient's needs. And as I said earlier in my example, if you're someone who's navigating multiple specialists, pharmacists, et cetera, in the healthcare system, my guess is they aren't talking to each other either. So we felt it was absolutely critical to staff all of them on our side, make sure they were sharing the same set of information, the same EMRs, and that they were obsessed with the same patients, 24-7, 365. And I think that's where we're different. I think it is fair to say in the commercial space, there is no one out there like us. There are a lot of point solutions. There are a lot of things that are seeking to solve for one condition, but we are the first to say, bring us the whole patient. We will manage the entirety of their experience and we will make it better. And I think we can all envision what that personal impact is for, you know, for a patient who can finally have access to bringing together all of these pieces in a way that gives you one contact person, um, perhaps even some dignity in this mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. of talking with a person who is compassionate and cares about what you're doing for the holidays and how you're mm -hmm. gonna feel while you're there. Let's talk about the employer impact too, because most of us do have our healthcare delivered through insurance that we mm -hmm. purchase through our employers and the expense is significant. Mm -hmm. There are statistics that have been very consistent over 
the last you know decade at least that 80% of the costs in our healthcare system roughly come from about 10% of the mm -hmm. population. Yep. You mentioned the number of polychronic patients that are anticipated to come. When we think about even just Washington State, what is the dollar impact that you've been able to measure on this space of polychronic? Yeah, so in the state of Washington, 75% uh, of the healthcare dollars are spent on this population in totality. Um, some other amazing facts, 64% of people in the, that are adults in the state of Washington do things they know contribute to the potential of a chronic condition. They disclose, yes, I'm doing things that I know will lead to this, but they do nothing about it, which leads to some discussions we can have around behavioral science. Uh, roughly 57% of the adults in the state already have one chronic condition, and about 23% are carrying two or more. That's huge. It's an enormous number. I think about your circle of friends, yeah. your mm -hmm. family, and what that means. Right. Yeah. And when we started this company, you know, Erica and I both believed that there's got to be some waste in there. Mm -hmm. There's if 42 out of 56 billion dollars is being spent just on this population. My guess is we can organize things to get people on the right path, get them the right treatments, get them to the right specialists, and in that pot, we'll figure out how to fund mm -hmm. the business. But the problem is just so exorbitant that it seemed like a logical place for us to start just to solve the human need and the rest would kind of take care of itself. Yeah, and it does because if you can help someone stay out of emergency room visits, mm -hmm. if you can help someone coordinate their medication list differently, then there's a lot within that, that space. Where else are you finding that you've got some room for cost savings? Well, I think one of the surprising elements of us going out and talking to different prospects is the health plans and how excited they are to potentially partner with us. Because we understand how their care management programs work. We know that they're not able to reach the, the breadth of the population or as many people as they'd like to. So being able to partner with them, um, understand what they're dealing with and offer our solution in concert with that, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And so a lot of our early clients are, are working with their health plans and we're working directly with them as well to deliver the solution. And for me, that's been, I was worried going into it thinking, okay, the health plans, we offer this, you know, we got it. But when we walk in they're like, come on in, have a seat, um, let's talk. And those have been really, really interesting conversations and very excited to see how, you know, those are gonna kind of help us, help our employers who are signing on with us have a better experience. I'm glad to hear that because I think, you know, even in the conversations we've had when, when you were at your prior, um, and I think every insurer is in the same boat. They have a care management program. Right. Engagement is tough, and it's especially tough when someone distrusts mm -hmm. their insurer and believes that they're only looking for a reason to not pay a claim. You don't want right. to take a yep. phone call That's from right. your insurer's care management team. Right. So having a partner who can really tailor that engagement would be a powerful solution. Right. Can you speak to some of your early clients or clients who've committed? Yeah, we can talk, um, I'll actually bucket them a little bit by industry. We definitely will be announcing them in the coming weeks. Um, so on the health plan side, uh, I'll build upon what she said, the uh, early stage blue plans that we're working with, we'll leave it that way, um, have said that there's two real things they like about working with us because that we become extensions of what they do. So the first is a care manager can do a lot of things. They can't deliver clinical care. 
They can advise you where to go. They can try to get you to the right place. They can be there in the moment of need. But if that need is right now, mm -hmm. they need to get you to somebody else. So we become an extension of their care management from a clinical perspective that can solve for a number of things. Um, and then two, uh, we can cast a wider net. To your point, there are just some people when they see their health plan calling them, say that's a financial institution calling for some reason I'm not gonna like. Even when, as you know, we had back in my last employer, all the right motivations to reach out to try to help them, they hit the red button. And that's unfortunate. So we've seen a number of health plans, particularly because we don't charge an administrative fee, uh, say we're more than happy to work with you. Um, we have a couple fortune employers, um, some of which have asked us to take more of a virtual presence, others have which asked us to work with their, for instance, ACOs and hospital system partners uh, to deliver care. So in the virtual model, what's cool is we can deliver 50 states worth of healthcare. So we can support anyone no matter where they live. And then as I said earlier, we take a point of view around which specialty care we'll actually refer them to. But the other piece of that, when we work with ACO arrangements or groups that have hospital partners, we actually can anchor deep in that system and work collaboratively from the same set of data, same set of clinical standards to really maximize that experience as well. So that's been really cool. And then the last piece is uh, we're actually working with some provider systems and they can do a lot of things really well, but they're still learning how to operate in the virtual environment. And if we're honest, um, financially, it's not always advantageous to operate in the virtual environment, but if we can bring them more patient volume, take care of their own people, and then actually be an extension of what they're already doing, there's a lot of value there as well. So we're planning to sequence the announcements from December to March um, around who those first generation of clients are, but they represent three different areas, but all have a similar focus. Okay. If there are employers who listen to this and want to learn more, mm -hmm. what is that? Is there an ideal employer for you? So. I wouldn't say there's an ideal. What I would say is the smaller employers might only have one or two people who fit the population, but if we can bucket them together with others in their geographic area, it becomes a little more advantageous. So things like associations are great. Um, but on the large self-funded side, even mid self-funded side, health plans, those are all sort of wheelhouse for what we're doing. Um, but once we're up and operating in a market, over time, we probably can take volume just from individuals too. who are gonna raise their hand and say, I'd like to go to Lynn. So we're setting up provider agreements that allow us to operate initially in specific market segments, but our hope is over time, we'll be available to everybody. I look forward to that day because when <laughs> I think about some of the people in my life who have needed help the most, probably one of the most frustrating things is to find an, a place where you think you can get help only to reach out and find out, ah, oh, we can't help you That's if you come to us directly. That's an interesting thing. You should talk a little bit about the pilot we're doing to try to give back. Yeah, so we actually are recruiting right now for a pilot. Um, we're rolling 250 members um, to start with our care management program and get to know Lynn a little bit better. And so through this, what we're hoping to do is that we can insert ourselves into their experience. So again, to not be disruptive to what they're currently dealing with and start to take on some of that responsibility for them, help them get organized, help them connect with the right providers and make sure they're doing all the right things to start to heal themselves. And so as we go through this process, we've actually started to um, interview some of these patients um, who are coming in and the support that they've given us and the feedback they've given early and just being so grateful to have someone actually listen to them and think about them holistically has been very, very refreshing and very inspiring to hear. And so we have a, an internal Slack channel that we use to kind of track some of these enrollments and they share their feedback. 
um, and you see it and, you know, people react to that and it, it really does. It keeps us going um, and it's very exciting. So if anyone is interested, we'll be launching on 12.1, which is probably after this podcast comes out, I guess. <laughs> well, we, we do have some creative ability to perhaps clip in certain places. Um, so if you are still accepting. We some, are. We are still accepting. Yeah. So people okay. who have one or more conditions in this case, because we want to cast a little bit of a wider net to get people mm -hmm. in and get that experience. Any state, um, we are taking okay. patients, um, and they can just yes, yeah, they can reach out to yeah. us and, and get enrolled. And I'm very proud to say uh, I enrolled my mother. Aww. So uh, I, I did laugh though. Apparently, as part of her uh, application, she was asked why she was joining, and she said, "My son's CEO." Smiley face. <laughs> so that was kind of a little bit hard. Uh, hit me in the heart too. That was very cool. Well, it's it's great to hear even from my chair. You know. Your mom is someone that has inspired a Always. lot of conversation, and it's nice to hear that she's got some new hope in her yep. healthcare as well. We should all we should all be looking for those opportunities and be inspired a little bit that there's just because it's always been a certain way. Yeah. Uh, man, we've we've all got to do something to work toward a different outcome. Absolutely. Well, so when you think about five years from now, and I kind of laugh, okay, because two <laughs> years ago, you didn't know you were going to do this. Correct. Right? Even one. Uh, two years ago, we <laughs> didn't know that it would be a year and a half before right. we would sit face to face and share space like humans, mm -hmm. yep. right? So put all that aside and think about five years from now mm. when Lynn Health is, you know, getting ready for kindergarten, perhaps, <laughs> right? What does that look like? You go first and I'll go next. It'll be interesting to see if we share the same. Yeah, one. well, I think, I mean, you hit on it earlier, um, just having Lynn available everywhere. So right now we're, you know, we're prospecting, we're targeting employers and health plans, and we're going market by market. Five years from now, there's a very real possibility that we will be in most markets in the U.S. Um, and available to other, you know, people who are not insured through one of our partners. And so, again, I think about my parents all the time and the experience they've had. Now they're retired, um, so they're going through a whole, you know, Medicare situation. Um, but something like this for them when they were transitioning out of work would have been so beneficial um, to be able to have someone help them and guide them through the experience. And so just thinking through when we nail this next year, when we launch to our first customers and that experience we're going to deliver, being able to extend that even broader five years from now, I want to see Lynn everywhere. Um, and that's, you know, not just to say that so we can see Lynn, but I really want to see us out there helping people and giving them the healthcare experience they deserve. I think that's well said. I'm actually going to answer it a little bit differently. Um, I'd like to build a company that every single employee feels very proud to wear publicly. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best parts about what I've gotten to do thus far, you know, you look this group here, the group behind the camera who shall remain nameless <laughs> and others. Um, they're all very close personal friends, uh, but they're all incredibly talented as well. And many people um, we're up to about 40 now that work for this company, left really amazing jobs because they believed in what we were doing. I feel an incredible responsibility for them. I feel an incredible responsibility for the culture that we live up to our values and we deliver on the promise I made to them, which was that we would make this world a better place, which brings us back two years to the last time we spoke. <laughs> and um, I spend most of my time obsessed with that. I'm very lucky to have a team that is incredibly capable we joke that they're building a product that even I didn't know we were actually going to be building. 
and we're going to have a great customer base. But if we, if everyone says this was the best professional experience I've ever had, I will feel like we did something. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's a great combination of world changing human helping aspirations, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I am again, grateful to be able to share in this opportunity with all of you to help tell the story of Lynn Health and of what hope and healthcare can continue to look like. I'm proud to be, you know, in the in the wings watching and cheering all of you on. And my hope is that we'll have some good updates <laughs> as we move through the future about not just the financial outcomes and those financial outcomes are super important, but the people outcomes, right. you know, those are the things that I think anybody who works connected into this space in healthcare, whether it's on your side or even on my side, where mm -hmm. we hear from people who just need help navigating. I just had a diagnosis. What do I do? Um, we see that human piece and it's the reason why we, come to work every day because we believe we have something that can help someone. Right. So I'm cheering you on. Well, Thanks. along those lines for cheering us on, um, for those who don't know, Danielle is our broker. <laughs> and we made the decision uh, in about 30 seconds as to who we were gonna go with when we started the company. Um, we reached out to you and obviously you're now at a new address, but to us, it was not the brand, it was the person. Mm -hmm. And you have been nothing short of extraordinary as a partner. You are essentially an employee that with how much we get to work with you, you are incredibly responsive, but I think just our values and our beliefs and everything just align. You have been the absolute perfect choice and we are lucky to have you. I'm, I'm lucky to have you as well. I don't think that there is a better way for me to go to work every day and you know bring what i can to the table than working with organizations who ca simply care about people mm -hmm. right um i get to be part of your mission by helping your people and there's nowhere else i'd rather be same so, thank you for that mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you've been inspired, that there is hope in healthcare, that there are people who are innovating and creating with the human in mind. If you would like to continue to be inspired by stories and healthcare, you can follow my podcast channel on YouTube, or you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you would specifically love to connect with Lynn Health around patients that are polychronic, or perhaps you are one, then I would encourage you to connect with one of these two people because there is no one else I can think of who cares more and would love to speak with you more than they would. Until next time, take good care. <laughs>